Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, and this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Once again, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. All right, so today is Sunday, September 24th, 2017, and the title of today's show is Stand and Deliver or hashtag Take a Knee, also affectionately known as Plantation Politics Series. And so um, it's been really interesting watching what has taken place over the weekend, but, you know, I want to make sure that we all know that this isn't something new. This isn't something that just happened. This is not the first time President or, yeah, well, that guy, Trump, right? Um, it's not the first time that he has attacked or come after um, black people. I mean, shit, he has a long history behind that. And, you know, there's a lot that we need to talk about and to go over, and um, it's been interesting. You know, I didn't create the show until today because I wasn't sure if I was going to do a show today or not, but with all of this stuff happening, I couldn't just let it go by without saying something about it. And so we will get into that pretty soon. Um, Next Sunday, October 1st, I will be doing a show. It's entitled Metamorphosis. And for that particular show, I will be talking or basically giving the entire, the full text of the talk that I had prepared for Freedom from Religion Foundation. And it's, it's, I had 30 minutes to give that talk. I went over a little bit, but 30 minutes. But we will have an entire two hours to talk about that on this show. So I am looking forward to it. We're going to talk about everything in context, clarify some information for those who are interested in calling in and asking questions. I'll open the phone lines up so you can call in. And because it was relayed to me that people wanted to talk to me and ask questions, and quite a few people did come and talk to me after the talk. And so um, I had a few emails, you know, i got to get back to a few people. So I'm not ignoring you. Just bear with me and trying to get things back, you know, in order. And what made it difficult this week for me is that it was unbelievably hot. It has been in the 90s. And so for those who aren't aware, I have lupus. And so the sun is the enemy to begin with. I have to be very careful about that. Um, But the heat doesn't help either. And what it does is it drains me. It drains me and all of my energy. Um, You know, I take this one vitamin that the doctors prescribed, and I take it once a week, and it's helped out quite a bit. It's helped out tremendously. But, again, it still doesn't take away the fact that with this particular disease, you know, fatigue is basically one of the biggest 
um, symptoms that we have. And sometimes, you know, I know some people get upset, well, why didn't she make it or why did she only stay for a few minutes? And it's usually because I'm tired and because I've had a lot of activity. This was a very active week. And I was like, yeah, I would be super active the week that the weather is just doing its own thing. So anyway, um, I'm not ignoring anyone. Just bear with me, pulling everything together. And again, you know, I have a lot of things going on in my life too. So we got all of that happening there. Let's see here. Trying to remember I was supposed to say, oh, yeah, there was a shooting at a church in Nashville or close to Nashville. Keep an eye on that. Um, It's been interesting. And I'm not going to talk on it right now, um, but I just want to bring that to you all's attention. Um, I think the name of the church, it began with the letter B. Bethel, I think it was Bethel Chapel Church of Christ or something like that. Uh, Oh, Burnett Chapel. There we go. I got the B part right. I knew it was a B. So, yeah, keeping an eye on that. And um, it's going to be interesting watching the developments behind this particular shooting. The the gentleman that, you know, not the gentleman, you know, this is just crazy with all this stuff that's going on in this country. But, you know, shooting up churches, shooting up crowds of people. I mean, what are we doing here? What the hell is happening in this country? You know, and so what's interesting is I can't wait to see the rhetoric that comes from this particular shooting. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. So anyway, moving on. So, yeah, next week, next Sunday on the 1st, 3 o'clock Central Standard Time, I am going to go over the entire talk in its full context. So, and then leave room open for people to call and to ask questions. And the call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. And if you want to talk, you can press 1. If you just want to listen, you can do that too. You know, and the only way I know you have a question or you want to talk is you have to press 1. And so it gives me an indicator on this end. So, you know, that being said, let's let's, let's get into the show a little bit. I'm having a few technical difficulties, so bear with me because I have not posted it to my social media accounts because there's something going on. So I'm dealing with that as we... um, go through emotions here. But, yeah, 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 yeah. The past couple of weeks have been very interesting and as far as the news is concerned. Um, what I want people to understand and to really pay attention to is how in in some cases, you have these diversions set up. And so while you have people talking about and monitoring the Twitter activity of Trump, right, you need to pay attention to what else is going on in the background. What are they trying to distract you from seeing? 
And I posted a couple of things a while ago. It's been a while since I posted, too, especially on Facebook. You know, I've been doing a lot more over on Twitter than Facebook, and I need to get back into the practice of putting that information out there. But, yeah, we're on all the social media sites, and I just have to get back in line with the posting and using some applications and things that I know that would make that a lot easier for me. But, yeah, you know, when I'm talking about plantation politics, it's not just what we're seeing with the basketball players and the football players and Trump. You know, this this goes a long way back, you know, even with the birtherism. And, you know, Trump and the New York Five, you know, the five young men that were accused of raping that white woman and all of that. You know, Trump has a very long history in regards to his relationship with the black community. I mean, even taking it all the way back to him to him and his dad and how they had gotten into some legal trouble because they weren't wanting to rent to black people. And his father was arrested at a Klan rally. I mean, you know, no, not necessarily a Klan rally, but his father was a member of the Klan and was arrested. And um, it's a lot of material that, you know, we can cover and kind of go over some of this and talk about what's going on. We already got somebody. Um, I think they pressed one. And let's see here. Should I pick it up? See in a minute here. But, um, yeah, you know, it's more than just the athletes. You know, what I want you guys to pay attention to, basically, with Donald Trump and how he comes after black people, period. Remember when that, you know, executive left one of the councils, one of the business councils, um, Trump got angry with him and lashed out at him, yet none of the, you know, the white CEOs that, that withdrew from the council, he didn't have anything to say about them. And it's, it's, it's just funny because it seems as though Trump, you know, any anybody that's of color of any sort or has a vagina, you know, or, or you know, any of those those things, he has this need to control us and to put out these dog whistles and, as they say, feed his, his base red meat. And there's a lot of truth to that. And so <laughs> I just want you guys to pay attention to what's happening and what's going on because it's not only just these athletes that he calls himself going after, it's anybody black that is not kowtowing and shucking and jiving to his need or his ego, you know, or giving someone, a white person, any type of, you know, grief. You know, it's, it's just it's so funny, you know, and when I say funny, I don't mean ha-ha. It's funny, like what the fuck is happening over here? So, I'm looking at this, and there are many of us looking at this, and, you know, we're turning and we're looking at the people who voted for this guy, and especially some of you that call yourselves allies, 
Yeah, you people. You allies that voted for this guy who didn't believe that he was going to do the things he told you he was going to do. You know, the black, brown, red, and yellow folks believed him, but the white folks didn't. So what is that telling you? You know, it's so funny because when we tell you guys about things that are happening to us in real life, real time, real people, you didn't believe us. Even when we come with a video, you know, and witnesses, now you're taking it out of proportion, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're being too sensitive. I don't know what else to say to you. You see what's happening. And those of you that are honest with yourselves and others, you see what's happening. You know it's wrong. Some of you are speaking up and speaking out, which is great. But this really should be scaring the shit out of you. It really should be. It's interesting. I did a show entitled White Supremacy So Wicked, it got white folks nervous. And I think we're going to pick that back up and talk about it again. But right here, what he's doing is plantation politics, and it's about keeping them folks of color, them ungrateful folks of color, keeping them in check, keeping them in line, you know, shut up, do your job, you know, grab the ball and run, you know, run across the field or put it in a little hoop. Put it in basket there, you know, or hit the little ball until it goes into the hole in the ground, whatever the situation may be. It was really interesting to see that um, one of the Major League Baseball players took a knee. And it seems as though this is a domino effect, and there are many different people in many different areas that are now taking a knee. You know, the protests is against the president feeling as though he can dictate everything and everyone in every situation. But also, in addition to that, he knows exactly what he's doing while he has you focused on this. All this other crazy shit is happening in the in the background. You know, um, there was a lawsuit that was filed against Jeff Sessions. I'm going to have to look that article up again and post it so you all can see. But Jeff Sessions, you know, they brought suit against him because of the racism. And some of the policies that have been rescinded, some of the policies that are being implemented, others that are being ignored, and and impact on people of color, primarily black people. And this is why I'm telling you guys, you need to pay attention. I don't know what it's going to take for people to start standing together and organizing and and putting an end to all this crazy shit that's taking place. Because, you know, I hear all these people talking about, well, what about my children? What about my grandchildren? What about their futures? I get that. And you want a better future for them than you had. I get that. But what about now? What about now? Changes need to be made now. You know, these people need to be challenged now. So what are you going to do? 
Are you going to be a part of the solution? Or are you going to sit there and silently be a part of the problem? Because, again, your silence is tacit agreement. Many of you may not agree with that, but it is. And you're just as culpable as the people who are goading him, the people that are encouraging him to do and say these things. And so, you know, people thought that things were going to get better when when Bannon, President Bannon, left the office. And, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, you have all these pundits out here that are saying, well, we thought it would get better. Look, Donald Trump was like this before Steve Bannon came along. He was like this before Stephen Miller. He was like this before Corey Lewandowski. He was like this before Sebastian Gorka. He's been like this pretty much all his dang on life. I don't understand why you all thought that, you know, having this one person leave was going to make it even better. There's this thing called the telephone. There's this thing called email. They know how to use that stuff. And so they're still in communication, and I need for you guys to understand that. You know, um, it's not going to get any better. And, you know, it's interesting with some of these talking heads, they were saying that, you know, they thought Donald Trump had, you know, debased himself to the point that he couldn't go any lower. Now he's finding ways to go lower than that low. And so it's just, it's really interesting when I see this and I see people talking about it, and I'm like, what do, what were you all expecting? I don't know, miracles? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore, you know. Um, people don't change. And I think I've talked about this before. Um, people don't change. The only thing that changes are power structures. And we need to get a better understanding or definition of what a power structure is and how it impacts your life, your day-to-day life. And who runs these power structures? In addition to who runs these power structures, who benefits from them? And some of the responses that I've seen online regarding what's happening here with the NFL is, well, quite a few white people, specifically Trump, right, they feel like with these particular black athletes, celebrities, you know, whatever you want to call them, they the, a lot of these white supremacists feel as though these people aren't earning the money, that they're giving it to them. They're being given this money. They're, they're being given this celebrity. They're being given these things. Therefore, they should feel obligated to do as they are told. So I'm going somewhere with this, and I need for you guys to keep up with me, right? So, you know, this this goes back to one of the reasons why when I'm asked to do certain things, most of the time I don't want to do them, and most of the time I turn it down. Sometimes it's like, okay, I'll get up and do this. However, you need to understand that even though 
financial transactions may take place, I always make sure that the money is given to charities and organizations of my choice. I'm not going to come for free, but I don't want your money. And I also don't want you to think that you can control what I say and do because you're going to be highly disappointed every time. And so, you know, that's what's so interesting with a lot of these celebrities, athletes, so on and so forth, is with quite a few of the white supremacists that run these corporations and, you know, that are politicians and all of this, they feel as though they should be able to tell these particular people what to do and and they should do it. So this is where it comes in when you hear me. And I see the two people up there with your hands up. I see you. I see you. I see you. I just need to get this out. So once you have achieved a certain status or once you have been given um, legitimacy or recognition by certain white people, white power structures, in return, for that money, that celebrity, that stature, what have you. In return, you're there, also known as a black elite, if you will, in many cases, but you're a buffer. You're supposed to mediate between them and the rest of us. You're the buffer. You're the buffer to shield them from a lot of the criticism and accusations from the rest of us. They send you in to attempt to keep the rest of us under control. They send you in to sell the rest of us stories and and resources and shit that we don't really need or that aren't really good for us in many cases. You know, there are quite a few more examples than that. But I'm hoping you're catching on to where I'm going with this. And so this is where the dilemma or the quandary comes in for those few people, that particular group of black elite, they're stuck in the middle. So they're like, well, what do I say and what do I do? And it was so interesting when um, last weekend I went to the Freedom from Religion Foundation conference their 40th anniversary conference. And so there was, well, it was a few police officers. So there were a few police officers out there directing traffic, and one happened to be a brother, right? And so, you know, I got out because I had caught an Uber, and I got out of the car, and, you know, I'm sitting there, and I started talking to the guy. And it was such a great and refreshing conversation. We talked about, double consciousness, right? And so for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that goes, this this is what W.E.B. Du Bois talked about. And, and we talked about the dilemma that he was in as a police officer and what he could and could not say and what he could and could not do because, yeah, he got to feed his babies too, right? And so 
that happens with a lot of us, especially if you're someone who's working in corporate America and and even, you know, some of the academics that are out here. And even with the celebrities, whether you're, you know, you're an actor, actress, you know, you're an athlete of some sort, and, and it's not just particular groups, but these are just a few examples. It, it's it's about, uh, I saw you, 314, I'm sorry, call back, I'm going to get you guys. Um, you know, there's a lot more going on, and, and you know, mm. It's a lot more going on there. And so we were talking about the double consciousness. And I'm not going to really get into too much, but you would not believe the type of conversations that you can have with these people one-on-one and what they have to say behind the scenes. And so, like I said, it was one of the best conversations that I had. And so... I know I have new listeners out there. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening in. Thank you for the support. And even the ones that can't stand me, hey, y'all, how you doing? Thanks for listening in. Uh, (laughs) Oh, you know, so as I stated at the beginning of my talk last week, and this is something you all have heard me say on my show, you know, the way I stated it at the talk was if you listen to this show, and you're not offended by at least one thing I had to say. Either I was having a bad day or you weren't listening. You know, and I, I remember doing one show. I think it was the Judas Goat Show or somewhere around that time period where I made it very clear that I know exactly what I'm saying and I'm doing on this show. And it's my job to make you uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It's my job to give you discomfort. It's my job to keep you on your toes and walking around on eggshells. I know exactly what I'm doing. And I also know why I do what I do. And so, you know, let's not get shit twisted. You know, so earlier I spoke a little bit about, you know, how some people feel as though, um, you're beholden to them in one respect or another. I just say, be yourself. Be yourself. Never allow anyone to change who and what you are in an effort, you know, in an effort to control you. And, I mean, you have a lot of people out here that have stars in their eyes, and I get that. But is it really worth it if you lose yourself and your self-respect while shooting for that particular star? And so these are things It's just as extremely important for you guys to think about. And, again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself. I just want you to think about these things and to understand, you know, what's going on around you, why these things, these particular things are happening, who benefits from them, 
And while some of you may say, yeah, we're benefiting from this, I don't know, long-term big picture? Yeah, no. You know, because one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping you all are reading and looking at the history is while it seems as though you're gaining one or two things, in many cases policies and laws are being put in place that's taking away 5, 10, 15 other things. While you're thinking you're gaining, you're gaining a few things, but you're losing these other parts, these other things, which basically renders the new stuff that you're receiving, it renders it useless. And so this is why it's important for you guys to pay attention. This is why it's important for you to challenge things. This is why it's important for you to critique things, even if if you're wrong. That's okay. You live and you learn, right? And so, you know, so it's, it's, it's a lot going on. And, you know, some of the stuff I want to laugh at, but it's hurting people and it's harming folks. And it's really not that funny. But sometimes you laugh to keep from crying. And so, yeah, I wanted to make mention of Sean Spicer and, you know, his little appearance. Yeah, that shit wasn't funny. Not even a little bit. Especially considering the millions of lives that are being harmed in this country not only just in this country, around the world, due to policies that are being put in place or rescinded or modified, we got to get serious at some point. We really do. So, um, you know, we got to be able to move forward. But, yeah, this right here is playing into that plantation politics and need for you guys to start recognizing it for what it really truly is. So before I get started on, you know, all things Donald Trump, I see we have a caller. I'm just trying to make sure some things on my end are ready for me to take the caller. But, um, you know, some new things that are going to be happening with the show I'm really excited. Some new things happening next year. And I'm really excited about a couple of the projects that uh, we're putting together for next year. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a fun time. It's inclusive. We want everybody to participate that wants to participate, you know, and and it's about you know, just enjoying one another. And I think everybody is going to benefit from it in one respect or another. Um, Regarding me, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, I'm kind of back to my old self. You know, things are calming down on my end, not being drawn and quartered with just everything that was going on and Sometimes when you have situations like that and you have to take a step back and breathe 
and remind yourself of who you are and what you are and why you started on that particular path in the first place. And so, you know, it's just it's really interesting. Um, I've met a lot of beautiful people over the past year, two years, that have been instrumental in me recognizing myself and and my worth and my value and all of those things. And so, you know, I'm just grateful. Grateful that um, you have some people out here that are real and people out here that actually want to do some real work. And that was one of the points that I made in my talk was, you know, when you come to these communities, these smaller communities or outlier communities, sometimes it's hard to find people who you can truly relate to, kind of like having that kindred thread, or as religious people would say, that kindred spirit. And um, like I said, you know, what's going on now with the political and social and cultural climate in this country you know, this is going to be an interesting four years. And what I need for people to understand is that, you know, white supremacy has always been part of the tapestry of this country. It was funny because someone made a comment about, well, Barack Obama was president, and someone so there were no Klansmen, no races in the White House when Barack Obama was president. And there was no response to that, but that's true. Because even with Barack Obama, when he was in office, they played, you know, plantation politics with him too. Donald Trump, one of the best examples ever. Show me your birth certificate. Show us that you're legal. That birtherism shit, right? That was plantation politics. And it was more than just about, you know, Barack Obama and more than just about his birth certificate or his place of birth or what have that was racism. That birtherism was straight racism, and, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit later on the show. We're going to get to that, but it's been, you know, with Donald Trump, this is not anything new. And I still can't get past the white people, so-called allies, who voted for him, saying, well, they didn't really believe he was going to do these things. So in the meantime, while this is happening, what are you doing with your white privilege to benefit people of color, the people that are being harmed by these policies? You know, with this so-called Muslim ban, were you out there at the airport? I saw quite a few people out there at the airport you know, not only here in Chicago, but across the country. You know, and, and, you know, and I also have to understand that there are some people, again, you know, due to not wanting to lose their livelihood. Because, see, this is the thing. When, you know, some of these young people, um, I'll give you one example. Um, Jasmine Abdullah from California, the one who was charged with, lynching 
was it lynching? I think it was lynching. We got to get my words right. I don't want that to come back to haunt me. But, um, you know, basically being charged as a domestic terrorist, you know, and I believe it was lynching. You know, no white people have been charged with lynching but a black woman. And and the thing is, is that with Jasmine, you know, not only does she have to live with that, but, you know, this has rendered her unemployable. See, losing a job is one thing, but being blackballed, blacklisted, rendered unemployable, you've literally, you've killed that person. What can they do? How many options do they have? You know, and so that's why it's important to understand what's going on out here and to understand why there are certain people that we make a special effort to ensure that they're doing okay because there are a lot of people being hurt in a lot of different ways. So anyway, um, you know, I, I do need to, you know, kind of move it on a little bit, but what's been taking place in this country, especially over this past weekend, um, is is just, it's, I don't even know how to say it. It's just, it's been different. So let's see here. Let's bring in a caller that has been waiting for a little while. Like I said, we're having some technical difficulties here. And pressing a button. So we'll get to you. I was just talking until it tells me that it picked up your call. It looks like it's trying to pick it up now. Area code 504, are you there? Doesn't look like it's connected yet. Oh, but, okay. um, can you hear yeah. me? I can hear you now. May we ask your name? Okay, my name is a Warren calling from New Orleans. And, uh, hey, Warren. Li- hey, how are you? Uh, I was listening to you, uh, your um, uh discussion of Donald Trump, and I want to say that for me, I'm not surprised at anything that's happening. I think what is disturbing to me is coming out of the progressive liberal camp. For example, Mm -hmm. uh, this week there was an article uh, posted on Very Smart Brothers' site and posted on The Root entitled, Black Men Are the White People of Black People. And I'm looking at this title, and I'm looking at the titles that were put in major newspapers throughout the decades that caused lynchings and massive destruction of black neighborhoods and communities. And on the one hand, you have white people, and then straight black men are being uh, accused of being white people, which means that these straight black athletes who are kneeling according to the logic of this article, are white people. And this is coming from the liberal and progressive camp, ideological camp, uh, in the guise of black people. And I think that that is uh, a racist assault on black people uh, in the same degree, if not more sinister, than the Donald Trump approach. Singling out black males who are straight 
and accusing them of being white people. My question is, if straight black men are white people, then what are the white people to black people? You know? And so we have to be Uh careful about a lot of deception coming in from the progressive and the liberal camp that that is also racist that would be in partnership with Donald Trump's rhetoric. Okay. So I don't know if you're so, with I don't know if you're familiar you know, with that with that piece that had come out this week. Straight black men are the white people of black people. Now I'm here yeah, today. I read that as a and human, I'm, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm gonna say Go I'm ahead. here today. I'm here today because of straight black men. My very life existence is here because of men who are straight. For a whole lot to straight black men. So I don't understand the uh, this approach of attacking black men uh, that we say are victimized and privileged. And the article talks about black male privilege, you know. So the Mm -hmm. article to me is in partnership with what Donald Trump is saying. Okay. All right. So um, the young man that wrote that, Damon, I know Damon. Um, I met Damon in Paris, France. Not this past May, but last year, and got a chance to talk with him and get to know him a little bit. And, you know, and I've seen the think pieces that came out regarding what he had written. And so I'm going to take what you said, and and, and let's, let's run this ball a little further. What are your thoughts on the black men that are out here? Blaming black women for everything under the sun. What are your thoughts on that, Warren? I don't think that most black men are blaming black women for everything under the sun. I think that's a it's a mood issue. That's that's mm-hmm. like somebody throw us a that's like somebody throwing us a bone or a piece of meat, and we all running into the ring, scrambling with each other to to create a fight. You have some black men say that, and you have some black women, and you have some black women who say all black men ain't no good. So, I mean, I don't understand the the back and forth with this. Right. No, 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 no. I mean, I agree with you. You know, you have some that are out there saying these things. The bottom line line, uh, is that both black males and black females were sold into slavery. Both black males and black Mm -hmm. females were lynched. Both black males and black females had to obey the laws of Jim Crow segregation. Both black males and black females organized and resisted Jim Crow and faced death. And a black male, straight, and black female had to come together to create families. So what is this singling out straight black men as if they're a separate racial group from other black people. It makes no sense. It's dangerous. It's deceptive. And whoever wrote the piece, whoever it was, needs to be held accountable for it because it is the type of rhetoric that has caused lynching and murders of black people, the straw man. Well, you know, and that's that's across the board. So it's, it's not just black men that are singled out. You know, that's why I brought up the black woman um, issue about how black women are singled out, and you brought up black male entitlement. So you don't believe that's the thing? No, absolutely not. That's a bunch of crap. 
that's a bunch of that is that is white liberal rhetoric. There's an attempt through black people to get revenge mm-hmm. for the fact that white liberals were kicked out of the civil rights movement during the sixties and they're using young black people who are attached more to the agenda of LBGT or of feminism and they're using them to attack their own community. All right. So you know, what's interesting is you specifically pointed out LGBTQ and feminism. Just like the article specifically pointed out straight black men. So, again, you're saying that, you know, these young millennials, these young people are, and, and, and you know, it's just interesting because, you know, this is a conversation that I have on a consistent basis, um, especially about the feminism part. but. I mean, again, you know, whether a person is a feminist or LGBTQ or hetero, bi, you know, gay, lesbian, what have you, at the end of the day, still a black person. And we're still dealing with a lot of the same issues, um, even though some of the black elite, you know, I feel many of them have lost their way. But one thing that you said that stood out, that I found important was you stated that some of these white liberals, progressives, what have you, moderates, that they're still that they're angry or bear some animosity because they were kicked out of the civil rights movement. Can we talk about that for a minute? Right. I, I, I wanted to. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen to to the rest of you. I'm gonna go into kinkles and run something off here. But what I what I wanted. Okay people to see the danger in the title of that article. Straight black mm-hmm. men are the white people. So what is the author suggesting? That in order not to be an oppressive person as a black male, I have to become gay? See, what about, what about the gay black males and the gay black females who turn out young people in schools, churches, and other organizations? You see? Well, wait a minute. It, it, so... But see, you know, the thing is, is that you don't have, you know, gay people out here specifically targeting folks to turn them out. Um, and, and that's, you have, that's you have in, a misnomer. You have in institutions, as you have predatory, predatory straight black men, as the people want to focus on, you have predatory gay black men and black women in organizational structures who target young people. Okay, now not to acknowledge that further would give credence to the ludicrousness of the theory that's being projected about straight black men. There is something among a certain element in an ideological camp that is trying to suggest that being a black male that's straight is a problem and they must be extirpated. Okay. Well, no, I, I don't believe I don't believe that's where Damon was coming from. But you know what I found dangerous about the statement that you made about you know it's like this you know there are sexual predators, period. You know, in every group that there you know happens to be in existence, there are sexual predators, whether they're you know woman or man or what have you, whether they're hetero or you know LGBTQ. 
you know, was getting, and I mean, and, and I see what you're saying when you're talking about is specifically talked about hetero black men in that article that Damon wrote. And I can see why you would see that that was dangerous and how, you know, it can be misconstrued and it further divides the community. I get it. It, it also, it also, I, cloud, it also clouds mm-hmm. the understanding of what racism is because what it's doing is injecting black men on some sort of equal partnership with white people in, 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 in uh, designing and, and enforcing some racist system. You know, as if well, the straight okay. black male, so, the straight black male, the straight black male is a white person, and everybody else that's black is a victim. Okay, so you know, I read the article, and like I said, so basically, I believe one of the points that Damon was making was basically within the black community that hetero black men are generally viewed as the de facto, you know, leaders of the black community, just like hetero white men are as far as the world is concerned. You know, that's their default. And in in the black community, you know, more is done to um, acknowledge the plight of hetero black Men, you know, I don't believe that Damon was oh, saying okay, but, that. Okay, but is that done? You know, but, but look at the, but, this, but but by the acknowledgement, let's look at that point. More is done to acknowledge leadership on the part of heterosexual black men. Only the heterosexual black men that's doing that. You know what I'm saying? You have you have most majority of black women want a straight black man and do not agree with this analysis that straight black men are like white people to them. It's a, it's a, it's a and, strong and, man. And, it's a concoction. And see, it's, and I understand where you're coming from with that, Warren, but we got to also remember that I believe where Damon was coming from with that word, you know, well, okay, we'll talk about this patriarchy, paternalism. And, that is, and so you brought up black women who also, you know, um, defers to hetero black men as being the head of the house. A lot of that has to do with religion. It has a lot to do with patriarchy. Um, And that's one of the reasons why you had a lot of women that wouldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And so, you know, it's not a, a simple, it's not a simple subject. It's a very complex subject. But um, I don't believe Damon was saying that hetero black men need to be extricated and tossed out. Well, I mean, I didn't you know, I mean if you go back, if you go back, ma'am, and, and literally, like I have and do, look at editorials yeah. and articles, arouse the white masses to just run out and kill black people. His title was in that tradition, is in that tradition. It was not written to look at straight black men in any positive light, none whatsoever. And, and, and then the very fact that straight black men was pointed out is very problematic. Now, when somebody like myself start bringing up the LGBT, mm-hmm. I didn't start that. The person who, who's tended out straight black men brought up the sexual orientation. 
And black men who have read that piece and groups who are reading the piece should become up in arms because it's racist. It is racist. Just like fishers to keep guard, to keep watch, to mistreat black people. That's what that piece does. And as I said, the vast, I come from heterosexual black males. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. Martin Luther King was a straight black male. Malcolm X was a straight black male. And I can go on and on and on. So I am in honor and I praise them and I have problems and suspicions with anybody who tries to lead one to doubt the integrity and the humanity of straight black males. Damon Young, whoever he is, is misguided. Do you have the same? I don't know. Do you you show the same passion? Let's say if it didn't say straight black men, if it said gay black men, or or hetero black women, would you still have this same passion? Well, I don't think gay black men or gay black women are the white people to black people. That's laughable. No, 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 no. It's laughable. No, what I'm saying is, you know. If it had not been, I don't think titled, I don't think that you know, I don't think such article would have been written by people from that particular camp of thought. Okay, so because I am a straight black male, I must I must inject myself with some passion because that's an assault, an attack on me because uh, you're telling me that I'm not a human being. I'm like a white racist, and therefore I must in some sort of indirect way to absolve myself of the sin, I must become a homosexual. No, so I, I think I, you're so reading read way too much into it. You're, I think you're reading way too much into it because that's not where Damon was going with this. And, you know, I've seen the arguments coming out. I've seen the conversations on Twitter. And, you know, you all are personalizing it. And, I mean, and I understand it, it how you should, feel like you're under it, it should be it should be personalized because it is something that a white racist would do and write like that, coming from a person concerned about the the race in the community. That is a person who has an agenda based off some new age ideological viewpoint that white liberals and white leftists have introduced to some black people. So, so you're saying that, because huh, it's, it's just really interesting, you know, you're saying that, you know, this was introduced to these particular segments of, you know, our when society. You, if anybody, so, if anybody saying, is- so, so, so you see them, you see these gay black men, in that particular instance, Damon, who wrote that, you see him as a racist and you see him as an enemy. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't even know what the man's sexual orientation is. Secondly, too many of us who masquerade as public intellectuals are not grounded in the history of the black experience in America because people would know that straight black men were killed and died trying to defend the honor and integrity of their women and their family. Okay, that's very well documented, personal histories of their family. Okay, to Mm -hmm. suggest that a straight black male is some predator to his wife and his daughter and his mother and his sister is a white racist perspective. 
echoed and articulated. But that's not what Damon said in that article. That's not what he said in that article. Man, when I look yes. at the images, when I look at the negative images that are that are promoted by black women, black men don't own the venues, okay? So they're not equal with white men in no power at all, okay? Number two, many black women make a decision to participate and carry on the stereotype of black women. So they should be critiqued and criticized for participating and un that uh, woman. But to give the straight black male all of this power till you call him a white person, you are trying to you are actually trying to transform in the consciousness of people a different way you look at a straight black male and all the other blacks are victims. And the straight black male so is shot down by the police so, more than the black female. So black, all of a sudden, black women are treated the way that they're treated because they choose to behave that way. Or some women, some black women, some black women make the conscious choice to do that. You have to admit that. Okay. And, and no hetero, and no hetero, and no hetero black male tries to dominate over everyone else in what? the black community because he is the de facto leader. Is that what, what you're television saying? network? What television network that that shows music videos that a heterosexual black male owns? BET used to be. Be well, it used to be. Okay, used to well, be. Well, used to be. And they show, and, 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 I mean, the videos that are out there now, you know, the same type, they were on the videos then. And BET, Robert Johnson, they allowed those, those mm-hmm. images and those videos to play. And that was mm-hmm. a hetero black and, and, man. And so, so because, hold on, because you got a, hold on, because you got a one Robert Johnson, or you had a one Robert Johnson in a room in the industry where 99.9% of them were all white males and white females, that's some evidence that straight black men are white people to black people. No, I'm that's answering your gun. question because I would, be, I would be the first one to say that Robert Johnson and some of these other people, they're the exception. They're not the rule. And, and that's one of the question. problems with a lot of black people, you know, well, especially with a lot of whites, when they'll say they'll bring up Oprah, Michael Jordan, and ask us why can't we be grateful for what we have and why can't we be like them? And the answer is they're the exception. They're not necessarily the rule. But going back to the article, you know, in question, you know, and this is, you know, way off of what we're going to talk about with this plantation politics. But, well, well, you know, I, I the thing is you. that Damon. I, I connected to, and, mm-hmm. I, and I connected to is whereby we are directed to look at what's coming from Trump's mouth. What I'm saying is, while we are, our attention is diverted to the person who we shouldn't be surprised that saying this at all, there's a more sinister voice coming from within the ranks. There's a poison gas coming from within side that'll be killing us while we're looking at some smoke from some big guy on top of a hill somewhere. Somebody around, around our room under our feet. Is blowing up some part of this gas. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know, in in regards to Donald Trump and what's happening now, what's been happening this weekend, I think across the board that, you know, we're looking at the wrong thing because you have the Democrats focusing on 
patriotism in Trump, yet we're allowing them off the hook and they're not addressing systemic and institutional racism. I mean, at the end of the day, that is going to be my stance. You know, all of this other stuff. Well, and honest people like me and, and people like me, a straight black male, we are being put in a camp with Donald Trump. We are, we are being told we are the Donald Trumps in the Jeff Sessions. That's what Damon Young seems to believe. No. That Colin Kaepernick, I just, Colin you know, Kaepernick. And, mm-hmm. What about that, 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 that the athletes that are taking their knee, most of whom are all heterosexual, that they are no different than Donald Trump. It, isn't that a contradiction to be sympathetic with their stance on but one end, but to but come right, see, back, but to come right your, back with a sharp that's knife? Your interpretation, but that's your interpretation of that article. I and can't not everybody it no other way. I can't it that no way. Other way. Suppose Donald Trump had but, written I mean, the same article. Would you I understand feel, that we're not going to we're not going to see things the same, you know, always. Well, let me ask you this. You know, let me ask you this question. If Donald Trump, see, mm-hmm. let me let me ask you this question. If Donald Trump wrote the exact same article, wording it all the same, would you feel the same way you feel then? If Donald Trump would, no, I would expect that from him. Well, we should point, expect we should I, expect a comment like him if he's a white supremacist and if he's saying racist stuff about black people because the title of that article is a racist statement. So you would get angry. You know, I'm going to get, I'm gonna have to reach out to David and ask him to come on the show, you know, so we can talk about that article specifically. But I think it's being taken out of context. You know, because I know for a fact that he's not saying he's not saying that hetero black men should be taken out and extricated and kicked out. When you say when you say somebody when you say straight black men are the white people of black people, that is strong. You're saying that they are the racist of black people. They are the racist. They have the power over black people. They employ the black people. They determine where they're going to live and how much if they're going to get a loan for their home. You're saying that. And what I see in an image, if I had to draw a picture of that article of Damon, Damon with a big old blade or a knife or a machete lining black men to cut their penises off and say, now, you are, now you're really straight now. Because you're not so a heterosexual. So wait a minute. I just, I got to make sure I'm under. So basically, you feel as though when he wrote that article with that particular title, that he was emasculating all black men across the board. He was, he was, potent- he was, he was imagining himself carrying out a lynching, not unlike those in the early 1900s, where black men's penises were cut off. You know. Yeah, no, that's not that's not where Damon was going with that. But well, I look, mean, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gonna you, go and you, 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 and run something off. Wait, I'm gonna go run something off, then I'm gonna call your show back and tune in after I run some stuff off in Tinko's. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna run all off right, for about two minutes and then, and then tune back I'll in. I'll be waiting for you to call back. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. 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 All right. So, Damon, that's an open invitation here. Brother Warren would like to talk to you. Um, basically, he feels as though your article is emasculating 
hetero black men and, you know, um, comparatively to when during lynchings, how white men will cut off a black man's penis or genitalia and take it home as a prize or what have you. So, you know, that's that's very interesting. So like I said to him, you know, he's personalizing it and, you know, his response regarding the LGBTQ community and feminism, you know, and again, all of this to me points to patriarchy and paternalism. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for people to see outside of themselves. So it's, it's interesting, you know, and that's why I brought up the religious aspect of it. I brought up, um, you know, the patriarchal aspect. And there's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, maybe we'll do a show, you know, focusing specifically on that. But, you know, I believe where Damon was going with that particular article is that, you know, the de facto head of the black community as far as the perception of mainstream America is a black man. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, regarding, you know, just the comment about the LGBTQ community and feminism, you wouldn't believe the conversation that I had this morning with someone that's kind of dealing with the same thing. And to me, when it comes to situations like that, it's about control. It's about control. It's about authority. It's about a hierarchical system. It's about submission, you know, permissive, you know, just a number of different elements and factors in this particular equation here. So, yeah, you know, I guess you can say some of that falls into plantation politics, you know, to a certain degree, but I think it falls more under patriarchy. But, you know, it's interesting, again, like I said, the LGBTQ and the feminism was brought up. And and what's interesting is the sexism, you know, because that's how I view some of that as misogyny and sexism and how homophobia is a weapon of sexism and misogyny. And that's a question, I mean, that's a subject that needs to be talked about too. There is a way to talk specifically about um, homophobia being a weapon of sexism. It's in my living room on the coffee table, and I'm all the way in the back. So it's hard for me to run up there to get that. But, you know, those are things that we need to take under consideration. And so um, <laughs> Brother Warren meant that. He's going to call us back once he gets done at Kinko's there. But um, going back to what I was saying about Trump, wow. You know, and I can't go back to that without addressing what Warren said about these athletes, the ones that are taking a knee and protesting and how the majority of them are heterosexual black men, which is true, you know. But when Damon wrote that article, he was not saying, you know, march out the black men and and extricate them or kick them out of the community 
that's not where he was going with that. So that's where I stand with that there. But um, what's going on now with um, President Trump and how he's going after these athletes, you got to remember, it wasn't just the athletes that he attacked. Again, like I said, the CEO of that corporation, which I forgot his name, forgive me, you know, he went after him as well as, remember when he had that, you know, that that Twitter war with John Lewis and, you know, the black pastor that left the council, you know, he sent Mark Burns after him, you know, and Daryl Scott, and you got Omarosa. You know, I want you guys to go and take a really good look at the black people, the black Trump supporters, and see where they're coming from. And, you know, what's interesting is some of these people, you know, they're pastors, and, you know, you have some of these megachurch pastors, some of whom are white with a predominantly black and brown congregations, right? And, you know, the talk I did over the weekend And it was a point that, you know, was hit on by a number of other speakers over the weekend. It was talking about how they're trying to turn these churches into political action committees, into PACs, so that they can receive donations to give to a politician of their choice. And one thing I want to say is, yes, they're going to allow a certain number of black pastors to be a part of that particular network. However, it won't be all of you. And one of the things, one of the issues that I want to highlight regarding that is it's not going to be your mom-pop stores or, or churches on the corners of the storefronts or what have you that are going to benefit from this. They're not going to allow that to happen. But the fact that a lot of these smaller churches, storefront churches, what have you, the fact that they want to have that type of money flowing through their congregations is going to create an even bigger problem, an even bigger problem um, with how they control their congregants as well as their relationship with the communities. And there's going to be some issues that come from that as they strive to become not only the next megachurch, but also, you know, as as a conduit to receive these funds and to pass it along. And, you know, they, they'll say they, they're going to pray for you and all of that, but you better not touch their money because that's going to create a whole different type of dynamic and problem. So you all need to pay attention to that. You know, I definitely want you guys to go and look up the lawsuit that was filed by filed against Jeff Sessions. And I also want you guys to go and look up the Johnson Amendment, but so that you can understand how all of this, you know, what part, how all of this plays together. But Donald Trump has made a number, a number of gaffes um, since he's been in office. And he does not care about black people. He does not care about brown people, yellow or red ones either, you know, um, there was an article in Newsweek written by Tim Marson, and the article is called Donald Trump Doesn't Care About Black People, Americans Believe. And there was a poll, and this was released uh, August 31st, 
So it's a relatively recent article. You want to go and you want to look that up. Um, and it gives some very interesting facts. And like I said, that's the Newsweek. And, you know, go back and look up what Donald Trump um, was doing and saying during that birtherism period. And the people that supported him, like um, Joe Arpaio, who he pardoned, um, what's that guy's name from New York? He used to be the Giuliani. Um, yeah, Rudy Giuliani and his stance on that, it was a number of them. And the Republicans, the GOP, stood by and said nothing. They allowed that to take place. And and what's so interesting is they've had their whole political party hijacked because of that silence. So I'm hoping that they learned a lesson or two. An article that came out earlier this week, I don't think I posted it. Well, maybe I did. I know it's on Twitter. I posted it on Twitter. I mean, you had to put it on a Facebook page. But it's talking about black women and how they are starting to leave the Democratic Party. Now, those who've been listening for a while, you know I'm kind of happy about that. I'm an independent. And, you know, neither party really cares about the plight of black people. They only want that vote when they need it. But now that they see that they can win seats and win elections without necessarily having, you know, the vast majority of the black vote, they're going to find other ways around it. And because of what Donald Trump has been able to achieve, what this is doing is is going to cause, well, not the Republicans, but is going to cause the Democratic Party to kind of change its platform somewhat and appealing to that particular base of people. So, you know, working class white, you know, poor whites, you know, especially the disenfranchised whites, um, you know, white women who may fall into that patriarchal clusterfuck over there that feels as though no woman is supposed to rule over a man. It's just, you know, when you bring religion and patriarchy which is kind of tethered together in situations like this, it can get really ugly really fast, right? So go back, look this up. And one other thing that I think you all, that's extremely important, you need to pay attention to the right-wing, yeah, the right-wing media, the alt-right, the alt-white, white nationalists, white supremacists, you need to pay attention to the attacks that they're launching at Black Lives Matter because this has gotten really dangerous really quickly and it's scary. So if you listen to any of the right wing talk shows or, you know, even the website Right Wing Watch. That's a good website for you guys to use as a reference point. And they talk about these things here, but right now they are focused primarily on Black Lives Matter. And people are getting hurt. And, again, as I stated earlier, people are becoming unemployable. 
their livelihoods are being snatched. You got people who are being threatened, you know, being threatened. There are people that have been assaulted. You all need to pay attention to what's happening and and put it out there. If you see this shit, post it. Show it, you know, because people need to understand what's happening. And with this particular administration, and I spoke about this briefly in my talk, they are discouraging any type of protest at all. They, you know, if you decide to do an economic boycott, they're calling you economic terrorists, they're putting laws on the books, ordinances, all of this to target activists and protesters because this is not what they want to, you know, want you to do. They're trying to squash all of that, all protesting of all kinds, which is why he is so obsessed with Colin Kaepernick and other athletes that have been protesting during the pledge. See, I told you guys this is connected, um, you know, and what was happening there, and they're just trying to squash it across the board. And if Donald Trump could have his way, Donald Trump would rule over this country with an iron fist. He wants to be a dictator, which is why he's so freaking frustrated right now because he does not have the type of power that he wants. That is why he loves Putin and a number of these other, you know, dictators that are out here. And so, you know, you have people out here that are still laughing. I've been telling you guys to stop, but you're still laughing. But while people are laughing and, you know, sharing the tweets and cracking jokes and, you know, real lives are being harmed, you know, um, it's just, it's crazy. Um, You have them deporting activists. You know, Rasmia was deported last week, um, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday... They put her on the plane, you know, here in Chicago at O'Hare, and there were a lot of activists and protesters out there saying goodbye to her. And, um, you know, ICE came in and took her and put her on the plane, and she was deported out of this country. And she's not the only one that's happened to. So this is one of the reasons why, you know, I ask you all to keep up with the news, and I'm one of the biggest critics of mainstream media because a lot of them are some bullshit, and they 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 want they want to control what you think and how you think. However, you know we can't just say that all the media is fake media. We cannot play into that narrative. What I would say is take it with a grain of salt. Do some research on it. You know, compare you know, the sources, and do more research on it on your own. But, um, you know, it's a lot of stuff that's happening, a lot of things that will continue to happen. And with Donald Trump and with these athletes, you know, he just wants them to shut up, do their job, run with the ball, and do what they're told to do because they allow them, they're giving them money to be, to be, to be millionaires. It's not that these people earned it. You know, they're being given that money as far as, you know, the filter that these white supremacists are looking through or viewing the situation through. So you have to understand that um, 
But again, it goes back to the fact that I really do believe that we're allowing a lot of these Republicans, but especially the Democrats, we're giving them somewhat of a pass because, see, instead of addressing the issues at hand, see, you know what Colin Kaepernick was protesting against was institutionalized racism. It wasn't about whether or not you're supposed to bow, take a knee, you know, touch your heart, sing a song, you know, dance a dance or anything during the pledge or the Star Spangled Banner. It has to do with institutionalized racism, and we're allowing a lot of these politicians and a lot of these, you know, black elites and white elites to twist the original meaning behind the protest, and we're letting them off the hook. And this is the problem. And so, um, you know, when Brother Warren was talking about, um, you know, some resentment from the white liberal progressives and moderates about, you know, basically being pushed into a more submissive background role in the civil rights movement, you know, it's interesting he would say that because that's some of the same feedback that the Black Lives Matter people got because there were a lot of whites that were angry because the Black Lives Matter activists were pushing them to the side and to the back and wouldn't let them speak on our pain when the microphones were up. And so what was interesting is during my talk, I gave a quote by Martin Luther King Jr., and I know I've put this on my wall before, and so what you hear me doing now is finding my notebook. I have a notebook that I affectionately call the Holy Grail. And so my notes from the talk last week um, are in here, and so that's what you hear me shuffling paper about. So I'm going to read the quote to you that I read, and this was from Martin Luther King, Jr., when he was in the Birmingham jail, right? So the quote goes as such, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. So you want to go and look that up yourself. You can find that online in a number of places. And that was part of the letter from the Birmingham jail. So and and so it was interesting. Um one of the points that Warren made was that he believes that these talking points are coming from progressive liberal whites and and being introduced to these other communities 
particularly the LGBTQ and the feminist community, you know, in an effort possibly to divide, you know, it's so much, you know, I can take that ball and run with it. But I'm not sure if that's what I should do at this point. Um, because that's a show all by its dang own self, right? And so, um, you know, that's just interesting, um, especially the comment about, you know, white people being angry about being pushed to the back during the civil rights movement. And so, you know, do people hold grudges? Anyway, I don't know. I have to really wrap my head around that because Warren did give me a few things to think about. And, you know, I want you guys to go back and think about it and, you know, yourselves. But, um, again, yeah, I I don't think that, you know, they're trying to throw heterosexual black men out or, you know, extricate them. I don't think that's what's happening. But I can understand how some people can think that. But, you know, what's interesting is when you personalize issues like that, what happens is you go in, you'll read something someone read, you'll reword it, and then attack the context of the rewrite that you make, which is not necessarily the same context as the person who wrote the original story. So we have to be careful with that. But, um, yeah, that's something to think about. That's something to think about, but, yeah, no, I... No, that's not where Damon was coming from. And so, and the thing is, is that with Brother Warren, that's not the first time I saw that. You know, there were some others, you know, on social media that had the same reaction. Um, You know, what was interesting was watching Tariq Nasheed and that particular crew of black nationalists and their reaction to Damon's article. And, you know, I see quite a few similarities there. And, you know, there there were people, you know, that were part of the that are part of the LGBTQ community that disagreed with what Damon wrote. And, you know, sometimes you have to walk that fine line. Sometimes you're gonna have to throw that grenade in to get people's attention and to get people to think and to look, but also to kind of get people to examine a certain or a particular situation or issue from a different perspective, right? That's very important. But, um, yeah, you know, that's interesting. But, yeah, going back to Donald Trump and his, obsessive need to control black people. And, you know, I'm wondering who he's going to go after next because it was funny because Jamel Hill, she tweeted at 
Stephen Curry, you know, welcome to the club. And so, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm wondering who he's going to go after next. And and what will the results of this be, you know, because now you have more athletes taking a knee and protesting. Now, are they protesting the president because, you know, he's trying to control them and their lives and their thought processes, or are they taking a knee because they are protesting against state-sanctioned violence and institutional and systemic racism. What are they taking their needs for? And so it was interesting because LeBron James called the president a bum, and, you know, I've seen different commentary out there. Um, One of the narratives that I, you know, kind of skimmed through, and basically, you know, they were talking about how, advertisement, marketing, promotion, all of that, how that may, how him calling the president a bum, how that may impact his particular brand and his franchise, right? You know, um, and when I say his franchise, I'm talking about, you know, the the team he works for. How is it going to impact the, the you know, the um, – Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, will they pay a price? And so what's interesting is is that attendance and viewership has declined, and Donald Trump is trying to claim victory for that and say because people are, are not watching and showing up because of the disrespect to the flag, when that has absolutely nothing to do with it. And so, you know, it would behoove you to not allow Trump to twist that, to turn around and twist that narrative. You know, that would be a big mistake. But, yeah, go out and read and, and you know, see what's happening with Donald Trump and some of the shit that he did. Even with the Central Park Five, you know, he took out that ad. And basically, if he could have had his way, they would have strung those boys up and hung them. Even after they were, you know, exonerated, he still didn't believe he still had those ads. And that's why I can't understand, you know, the the white liberal progressives who are out here saying, well, we didn't think, you know, he was really going to do that. And the rest of us are looking at them like, He's always he's always been this way. So why did you think he was going to change or do something different than what he said he was going to do? And so um, if you want to read a good article, um, one was written by Preston Mitchum, M-I-T-C-H-U-M, and the title of his article, Donald Trump, Racist in Chief, Here Are the Ten Most Racist Things He's Done So Far. And Preston wrote this late last year, and I had to go to his page to see if he updated this or he's writing a new article. He probably wrote one. I just probably missed it. I was kind of dizzy this week. But, you know, this is nothing new. And just look at his behavior, you know, um, with his white supremacist speeches, 
you know, and his white supremacist, white entitlement, you know, his white male entitlement. You know, he knows he's never going to see a day in jail. He knows he's never going to really be held accountable for all of this shit. So he's going to say and do whatever the fuck he wants to say or do. If you go back and you look at the speech, the white supremacist speech he gave at the U.N., if you see John Kelly and, you know, his hands <laughs> were on his head across his face, you know, um, and when I say that, it's not because I think John Kelly doesn't agree with the president. I just think John Kelly wants him to say it in a more nuanced way, you know. And so, you know, the one thing that Kim Jong-il did do was basically he, you know, taught most of us a new word, you know, daughter, right, or daughter. Depends on how you pronounce that. But, um, you know, that was really interesting how all of that came about. And now they're going back and forth and... In all honesty, you know, Donald Trump, um, he's backing himself into a corner. You know, he already doesn't know the job. He doesn't understand it. You can tell he doesn't even really like the job, but he has the bully pulpit. And he wants everybody to just fall in line and to do as he tells them to do and not to question anything, and that's not happening. And so when you have people like that, especially with what he did with Stephen Curry, Stephen and, you know, had already decided that he wasn't going to the White House, and so the president, you know, disinvited him, you know, and I'm like, how are you going to disinvite somebody to something that they had no intention of attending in the first damn place? You know, and so, again, what I would tell you guys to do is to start contacting your politicians, your legislators, not only the federal ones but the state ones and the local ones, and start putting pressure on them to address institutional racism. You need to go and look at the ordinances and the laws and all those things on the books in your town, city, state, and you need to read them or have someone else read them, explain it, and you all, we need to start fighting for this. We need to start fighting for this. We need to, you know, start making them address these issues. And, again, earlier I talked about how black women are falling away from the Democratic Party, you know, in numbers that I think even surprise, you know, the Democrats. But they need to earn our votes. You need to make them work for those votes, you know, and it's so funny because you have these people out here who are acting like these protests are something new, you know, and of course they're problematic in certain people's eyes because it's going to impact their bottom line or, you know, impact them in a negative way, in, you know, whether directly or indirectly because, again, it's about controlling the masses. But, you know, these protests have been going, you know, going to pass, you know, ever since the first slave, you know, fought with the damn enslavers on the slave ships. The ones that jumped off the ship, they'd rather be dead than a slave, you know, as far as America is concerned. I guess the civil rights movement started when the first slave tried to escape. These protests have been happening all along. 
you know, and so, you know, one thing I want to address, and I meant to address this at the beginning of the podcast, are you all paying attention to what the hell is happening down in St. Louis? Are you? Because, I mean, it's been a media blackout about this. But they are clowning down there. You got the police out there, you know, chanting whose streets are streets. You got that shit happening. You have police out there breaking windows, physically assaulting people. And it's been a showdown in St. Louis. So you all need to pay attention to what's going on down there. And it's not just St. Louis. There are protests happening all across this country. And it's a media blackout, and a lot of it isn't being shown because they don't want to encourage others to go out there and protest. And that's one of the reasons why he doesn't want these athletes or celebrities out here protesting. And so this is why he feels as though he has the right to tell these, you know, these franchise, you know, owners to make their to get their players in line, to get them in check and and to basically, you know, let them know who's the boss and if they won't do as they're told, kick them out and fire them. Now ain't that some shit? You know, so it's it's really interesting, you know, so some of these teams, they wouldn't even come out of the locker room, you know, during the pledge and the Star Spangled Banner. You have those that are kneeling. You have some that are kneeling and other ones putting their hands on their shoulders. You got some that are linking arms, you know, a number of different ways that they're protesting. But, you know, I believe that I don't know what the hell is on Donald Trump's mind. And Raina and I have had so many conversations about this. Because there are some things that he does and he says that I believe are deliberate, but the consequences of it, I don't think he takes all of that into consideration. And, and you know, with the number of athletes taking a knee this weekend, I'm pretty sure he's a bit bewildered as to why these people would dare to defy him and even when you had Khan, you know, the um, team owner, when he went out there, he locked arms with his team in a sign of solidarity. I'm pretty sure that Donald was not happy about that either. So it's going to be interesting. You know, you all elected a con artist, and now you all are downhill from all that shit that he's pumping out. And you're being covered with it. You're being pelted with it. You're being forced to stand there. Some of you are stuck, you know, and unfortunately we're stuck with you because of the choices that you made. So we're suffering, and we're going to suffer collectively. You know, the only people that are going to be happy are the wealthy ones, and some of them aren't happy either because they're being placed in very uncomfortable positions having to answer questions that make them very uncomfortable and nervous. So, you know, guys, I want you to pay attention to what's happening, what's going on. This shit ain't, it's not not a coincidence. You know, a lot, you know, there are quite a few things that are manufactured. But, um, like I said, stay encouraged, be encouraged, 
you know, we got this guy, he's in office, we got to deal with it, do the best that we can. But in the meantime, you know, you got to start calling these politicians and calling them out on, you know, what's going on and what's happening because otherwise you're giving them a pass. And they're going to continue passing the buck and not doing anything to um, rectify the situation. There was an article in Rolling Stone called Trump's Long History of Racism, you know, and it talks about his response to Charlottesville. And I think I was called in Charlottesburg and Charlottesville, so forgive me for that. And um, let me see here. Let me scroll down and figure out who wrote this. But it's over in on Rolling Stone, Trump's long history of racism and, you know, what he's been doing, his response, his father, you know, and his father's involvement, what he was taught as a young person, but not only by his father, but he's had mentors over the years. And, again, what I don't understand are the people who didn't believe him when he told us who he was and what he was going to do. So, um, yeah, you know, you got to pay attention. You know, Donald Trump has is one of those people that calls himself non-racist. And they, they consider themselves as non-racist and accuse those of us that talk about race they accuse us of being racist, right, because we talk about it. And if you go and you look up, you know, Donald Trump's history, you know, and and you'll see that he's always pointing at people of color and saying that we're the ones that are racist, not him. And you all need to pay attention and you need to start calling him out on that shit because, it's not going to get any better, and it's not going to work to our advantage in any way whatsoever. And so I had another point to make, but I lost it. Forgive me. But, um, you know, as far as the people that are out here trying to claim that, you know, this is divisive and, you know, the blacks should just be happy and, and you know, and we're the ones out here that are racist and causing the divide. You got people, you know, like them and Trump. And, you know, Trump <laughs> accuses black people of racism quite a bit, you know, three times, you know, as often as so, you know, accuses black people of being three times more racist than white. It's just, it's just. It's crazy. You know, um, Christopher Ingram wrote an article, and this is on the Washington Post, and it's titled, On Twitter, Trump Accuses Blacks of Racism Three Times as Often as White. Go and read that. That's another good piece that's out there. And, you know, the ones of you that are out there, you know, I hope you're proud of who you put in office. And as I've stated before, you have these people out here that say that they're not racist or they're non-racist. You know, that's not good enough anymore. It's just not. 
You got to be anti-racist. And when I say anti-racist, that means calling out people that are part of your family, your friends, your inner circles, your colleagues, you know, et cetera, and so on. You need to call them out and tell them the shit that they're saying when it's racist. Call it out for what it is and tell them why it's racist and why it's problematic. And, you know, you have some people out here that are angry because many of us are stating our opinion that we feel that all white people are racist. And, you know, unfortunately, you have a lot of white people out here that wants us to go out and fix this problem. No, it is up to white people to deconstruct and dismantle the racism, the institutional racism in this country. This goes beyond someone not liking me. This goes beyond that, you know. And so, yeah, you know, this is a new day. And if we ever plan on making any real progress, we're going to have to address these said issues. So we got to get on board, you know. we got to get out here and make these people accountable. But, you know, again, for those that have been listening to the show for a while, you know I have issues with progressive white liberals, you know, and and I've said for a while that, you know, that they're a problem. You know, they, many of them, not all of them, but, you know, here we go, if not all, blah, 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 right? But many of them want to control us. And if we do not do as they want us to do, if we do not say, what they want us to say, which is usually something really safe and non-confrontational and non-offensive. If you go against the grain, if you rock the boat, then they withdraw their support in one way or another. Black people, you're going to have to get to the point where when when if they withdraw their support, you're like, fuck it, and you move on. Because I really truly believe where one won't, another one will. You know, and if they're withdrawing their support because, you know, you're too challenging, you know, you know that's the term that I've heard a lot of whites use against blacks who are not willing to go out here and shuck and jive for their dinner and fetch and step for, you know, white people's favor. You know, um, the people that won't do it, they're challenging. You know, the ones that will, oh, she's a good Negro or he's a good Negro, you know, we like him or her, you know, they're not going to give us any problems. They understand, you know, again, we have talked about the different types of people that are out here, but with these white supremacists, one of the reasons why they get along with some of these black nationalists and there's this little alliance thing going on here is because they want the same thing. Capitalism, patriarchy, homophobia, you know, those kinds of things. They agree on those. One wants to see it with white people. The other one wants to see it with black people. Either way it goes, it's still a bunch of bullshit and the rest of us are going to suffer. But, yeah, you need to get out here and start challenging, you know, these white people. White people need to challenge other white people, you know, being non-racist, not a racist, you know, that's not good enough. You have to be anti-racist. 
that is the only way we're going to be able to do and make any type of real progress in this country. And if you have people over there saying to you, oh, this is not the right time, this is not the right place, you need to understand, you know, where they're coming from. And when I say you need to understand, I'm not saying you should side with them or agree with them. You just need to understand the words that are coming out their mouths or the words that aren't. So you have to also learn how to read in between the lines and read the shadows, you know. And so, you know, keep all that in mind. Um, I don't know what it's going to take to make the American public to realize that, you know, that this whole situation is going to get far worse than what it is. Um, It's going to get more dangerous as time goes on. You know, what happened in Charlottesville, now, wasn't the first time that it happened. You know, before that altercation that took place in Charlottesville, or that, you know, white supremacist rally, you know, you know, angry white aggrieved male bonding, you know, exercise they had down there. They had had another one in Charlottesville before then. So that wasn't the first time that they showed up in mass. It just wasn't that many people the first time. Read. I need you to go and read and understand what's happening. There was another one, another aggrieved white male rally, you know, male bonding session that was supposed to take place in D.C. I don't remember if it was this weekend or last weekend. You know, there's been so much going on. but um, And these are happening all around the country. Don't want you guys to think that it was an isolated matter that, you know, hasn't happened since then. Yeah, it has. As a matter of fact, you know, you have campuses, you know, erupting in protests because of conservative speakers that they're bringing in. What was interesting was what happened at Howard University and how Comey was supposed to give a little speech or whatever and protesters were there, and they sang, you know, we shall not be moved, and, you know, and what's happening, and I'm, I don't know what's going on with Howard University and what they're doing over there, but um, I think they need to rethink some shit. And it's not just them, you know, it's a lot of these situations and things happening around the country, and we don't protest, and we don't call it out, and we don't do something about it, it's going to hurt us all. So what are you going to do? Sit there and be quiet and just take it, or are you going to get out there and say something about it? And when I say what are you going to do about it, I'm not talking about civil disobedience or anything of that sort, you know, because you're always going to have that. You're always going to have people that are going to go out there, and, and, you know, and that's the thing about what we're dealing with. You have all of these moving parts, right, and each part does something different. 
but each part needs the other part in order to make that particular piece of equipment move, you know. And, you know, if you ever sat back and paid attention to how some of these things work, you know, this piece over here may have to do two full revolutions to get this piece to do one revolution, right, which gets this piece to do one quarter of a revolution, you know, but they all work in tandem with each other. And so it's going to be interesting, you know. So what I'm telling you guys is to stay on your toes, pay attention, you know, plantation politics, happens in all of our lives and, you know, in different, many different ways and understand who and what you're dealing with because it's not just Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions, you know, and this didn't just start with the Trump administration. So don't fool yourself into thinking that. But why is it so important for Trump to control black people and control protests and the protesters and the activists and the organizers, you know, because a lot of these people, they want to put them under the jail, if not outright kill them. And you all need to be concerned about that. You need to pay attention. So, as I stated earlier, you know, these black elites, you know, celebrities, athletes, what have you, you know, unfortunately, many white people don't feel that you're necessarily earning your money. They feel as though they're giving it to you. And you should shut up, do your job, you know, stand and deliver, you know, and that take a knee thing, that's a no-no to many of them. How dare you? You can protest on your own time. Don't protest when you're on the clock because they don't want to see that shit. And, again, you have these media blackouts, so they don't want to show it. Not that they don't want to show it. They're not trying to upset these politicians. You know, a little while back, you know, they were afraid to show some of the protests, especially what happened in Charlottesville, because they didn't want to anger the Trump um, administration because, you know, they sent the word down, do not cover these protests, do not give them, you know, the airtime, do not acknowledge it, you know. And it's not just the Republicans that are doing it, the Democrats are doing the same thing. If you really want to take a look at something, go and look up what Hillary Clinton had to say about Black Lives Matter in her little book there. You know, go back and look at the emails that, you know, the DNC were sending back to each other regarding the Black Lives Matter people, not to make them any promises, not to give any real solid answers. I mean, just a number of things. So they're not serious, which is why I say we should take our vote back. And when I say take the vote back, I'm not necessarily saying not to vote, even though I'm on the fence with that right now. I'm not saying not to vote. What I'm saying is make these motherfuckers earn your vote, and we need to start putting more pressure on them because it's not going to get any better. 
So for those of you that are out there that think that things are going to get better and, you know, we're going to prevail, you know, I think Frederick Douglass said this, power concedes nothing without a demand. So what exactly are we demanding? What is our agenda? Who's speaking for us? You know, you know, I remember having a conversation with a pastor by, I was somewhere, and, you know, I was talking to this, you know, older black woman, and she went in, you know, and um, and it was a very interesting conversation. I learned quite a bit from that one, too. And um, what I will say to you is, you know, talk to people, whether they agree with you or not, but especially if they don't, so that you can kind of get a better understanding as to where they're coming from. But then you can try to explain, you know, some of these things. Some people will get it. Some people won't. Can't save everybody. But you also must accept the fact that there are going to be times when you're the one that's wrong and not necessarily the other person. And so, you know, you learn, you grow, you evolve. And, you know, like I've said before, if you're not growing intellectually and you're an activist or an organizer of some sort, then you're just spinning your wheel. Because if you're not growing, the people that you for leadership, they're not growing either. If you're not growing, they're not growing. And for some of them who may be growing, you know, what's so interesting is those particular leadership people, they then look at that person as the enemy. And so it turns into this power struggle, and it's been very interesting to watch in a number of places and watch this happen. So what I'm saying to you guys is do you, be you, Enjoy yourselves, enjoy your life, hold people accountable, take responsibility, and, you know, love one another as much as you possibly can because you're not going to like everybody, and not everybody is going to like you. And if you're one of those people and everybody likes you, then you're doing something wrong. And I know some people are over there like, she's lost her mind. No, Mm mm-mm. If they're agreeing with everything you say and every word that's coming out of your mouth, something is wrong. That's just me. Little black girl from the south side of Chicago. So anyway, this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for for yourself, not convert you. And so, you know, I want to read a few things that – Um, You know, I saw on Twitter, and, you know, I just thought these were very apropos. So from, you know, Khaled Beydoun, he said, myth, racism declines with time. Reality, racism fluidity adapts to prevailing political norms and economic interests, right? And so Brent Staples said, Note how many people, well, note how people stay silent in the face of racism, historic and contemporary, 
while labeling as divisive folks who speak out against it, right? And so, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I guess somebody is running around passing out whites-only stickers, um, you know, um, just sitting here and seeing what's happening and, you know, a reminder, landlines are working in Puerto Rico, so for those that need to know that, you know, um, it's just so much. So, yeah, just go out there, pay attention, look around, see what's happening, um, you know, with some of these folks and some of this shit that's going on here. You can't allow them to continue to get away with this shit because, you know, we're the ones that's suffering. Our loved ones are the ones that's suffering. It doesn't matter if you're not a black person. You know, we gotta we got to find a way to work together and to organize and to move forward. Um, coming from prison culture over here, they put out a tweet, people protest for all types of reasons. Effective organizers help frame those acts in the direction they want the narrative to be pushed. This is why you always hear me saying you need to control the narrative. Um, yeah, and so this one, I'm going to end on this one here, but this came from Frederick Douglass um, at HIT Executive, right? So Frederick Douglass said, plot twist, the sons of bitches join up with the nasty women and bad hombres and take back our country. How about that shit? All right. Again, this is Kim of Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Thank you for, you know, spending your Sunday with me. Next Sunday, we're going to go over the full text of my talk at the Freedom from Religion Foundation 40th Anniversary Conference Convention. So you all take care. Have a good rest of the week. Take care. Bye-bye.